have Christoph and Sean here. Hello. Our two uh, stall stalwarts. Is that the expression? Stalwarts. Yeah. Yeah. What does they, that mean? Like. What's a ward? Stalwart. Stalwart. Somebody who's like always there. Okay. Yeah, know. but what does it mean? Where does it come from? Oh, I have no idea. Stall. What? Stall the ball, ward. Stall the ball. Stalwarts. 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 Stillwarts. <laughs> this show is starting with a bang, baby. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> what you gonna do? Um, so, Christo had the idea of talking about the shadow this uh, this week, um, which is basically, um, in psychology terms, we have our ego, which um, is the parts of our personality that we acknowledge and have in our conscious mind. Uh, and then the shadow is generally the parts of ourselves that we don't want to uh, acknowledge as part of ourselves. So generally it's called the shadow. So for example, if we were to, um, let's say, look at somebody and judge them in some way, shape or form let's for something they're doing, um, that that would be the byproduct of that would be that we're building up our own ego, saying that I am better than them because of X. And really, then that's showing that there's a, a, another part of your personality that's oppressed and that's not um, being acknowledged, which might be you might be an absolute bastard and you're not really acknowledging that side of your life. But anyway, I'm explaining that very bad. But Do you mean that like if you if you see someone and you judge them for doing something you think is bad, hmm. that really you want to make yourself feel better? You recognize? No. Do you, what do you mean? So <laughs> so. In order, whenever we judge somebody else, we don't want to get judged. No one wants to get judged. But when you judge somebody else or anything else, what you're doing is you are separating yourself from it and saying that you're different from that and you are better than that. So you're trying to, a byproduct of saying something you don't like or don't approve of is that you're better or, or, or not part of that activity. And then someone else might look at your activity and do the same thing. And we all do that to each other all the time because we don't want to acknowledge that as a whole, we are. Again, if you want to bring it to the cosmic language, cosmic land here again, we're all the one thing, but yet we're all negatively judging different aspects of ourselves. Mm. So. so we're just judging ourselves. Yes, basically. We judge somebody else. And that's why they always say that <coughs> whatever you don't like in somebody else is what you don't like in yourself. Mm. So it's like, look at that fat, lazy person. You're like, well, you're actually judging that, that part of your nature that's lazy and maybe gives in to desires and stuff too much. Mm. Um, and that when you don't acknowledge that part of yourself well then that's the part of yourself that will slowly grow in the darkness in the shadows and one day you'll be an unhappy maybe lazy person that's not doing the things they should be doing but that's just the the theory of it and again i'm not explaining it very well crystal's here staring at me looking kind of <laughs> pensive here i think he'll probably explain it better i'll tell you no. what i'll do while crystal's given his thoughts i'll get up a, an internet proper definition go for it yeah i think no you <laughs> you didn't mess that up at all you were explaining it well uh, especially in psychological terms i think outside of psychological terms it, it can also represent just our dark inherent nature at times because i don't believe personally that anyone is truly benevolent completely we try to be many of us um a lot of people might believe that they are but I think there is a certain delusion in the belief that you are completely benevolent. And I think the greatest awareness is knowing that 
you are not perfect, you are human, and that, yes, you do have a shadow. Yes, you are greedy sometimes. Yes, you are competitive. Yes, sometimes you want to be better than someone else. And you also have to question and discipline that shadow lovingly. Not in a sense that you run away from it, because then you're not facing it. Mm. But look at it straight in its shadow eyes mm. and say, I know you're part of me. I accept that. I accept that you're going to be here sometimes. But you're not allowed to control this ship. Mm-hmm. You know? But every now and then it comes out and that's fine. I've, but I've, um, I found that little video here. Do you want me to play it and then it'll give us a better discussion point instead of me fumbling around in the darkness about my idea of what it is. Let's just play what it is. So. A man's real life consists of a complex of inexorable opposites, day and night, birth and death, happiness and misery, good and evil. We are not even sure that one will prevail over the other, that good will overcome evil or joy defeat pain. Life is a battleground. It always has been and always will be. Of the many metaphors used to describe a life in process, the metaphor of a battle is one of the more appropriate. In this battle, our own self is both our greatest ally and greatest opponent with a dynamic tension existing between those elements of our personality moving us forward into personal growth and those holding us back. Each person must also contend with the potential for both good and evil that lies within. Whether our strengths and capacity for good get the upper hand, or our weakness and capacity for evil, is very much a product of this battle waged within the self. Far too many people, however, set themselves up for defeat as they are unwilling to acknowledge the destructive side of their being. Utilizing various psychological defense mechanisms, such people do their best to stay ignorant to their faults and weaknesses. In so doing, these elements of their personality are relegated to their unconscious and make up the realm of the psyche Jung called the shadow. The shadow exerts an active influence on our personality and affects our behavior in a myriad of unforeseen ways. When we behave in a manner which is a product of our shadow, perhaps we treat someone poorly or take part in a self-destructive behavior, Rather than taking responsibility for such actions, most people make use of the psychological phenomenon known as projection in order to avoid facing up to their shadow. In this video, we are going to explore the phenomenon of projection by looking at the dangers it poses to the well-being of both the individual and society at large. Projection occurs when we attribute an element of our personality, which resides in our unconscious, to another person or group. We can project both negative and positive characteristics, however, there is a greater tendency to project the former rather than the latter. Sigmund Freud, who popularized the term in the mid-1890s, believed projection to be a defense mechanism used to avoid the anxiety that is provoked when one is forced to face up to their faults, weaknesses, and destructive tendencies. Jung's view of projection was similar to Freud's, and as he explains in Archaic Man, projection is one of the commonest psychic phenomena. Everything that is unconscious in ourselves we discover in our neighbor and we treat him accordingly. Jung, however, stressed that projection was both an inevitable and necessary component in our psychological development, as it is one of the primary means by which we can gain an awareness of elements residing in our unconscious. After projecting an element of our unconscious, the healthy thing to do is to recognize the subjective origin of the projection, to withdraw it from the external world, and to integrate this element of our personality into conscious awareness. Only by withdrawing our projections and becoming aware of the faults we previously projected onto others can we ever hope to take corrective measures. 
This process of withdrawal and integration is a difficult task, for it takes courage to face up to one's weaknesses and dark qualities. But while difficult, this task is crucial in the battle of life, for failure to confront one's shadow leaves these elements free to grow in scope and influence, as Jung explains. When one tries desperately to be good and wonderful and perfect, then all the more the shadow develops a definite will to be black and evil and destructive. People cannot see that. They are always striving to be marvelous, and then they discover that terrible destructive things happen which they cannot understand. And they either deny that such facts have anything to do with them, or if they admit them, they take them for natural afflictions, or they try to minimize them and to shift the responsibility elsewhere. The fact is that if one tries beyond one's capacity to be perfect, the shadow descends into hell and becomes the devil. Those who rely too heavily on projection to shield them from their shadow, who never strive to question whether the image they hold of themselves is perhaps too perfect, go through life forever in need of scapegoats or people on whom to blame all their problems. Often a friend or family member is chosen as one scapegoat, but the problem with this choice is that it irreparably damages and in many cases forces an end to the relationship. After driving away one scapegoat, it is usually discovered that one's problems persist nonetheless. This spurs some to look within and to face up to the elements of their personality they have for so long tried to deny. But rather than partaking in this internal reflection, most people merely look for another scapegoat. In this process, it is often discovered that the most effective form of scapegoat is not any individual in particular, but rather entire groups of people. This tendency of scapegoating to occur on a collective level can have dangerous consequences for a society. Those unwilling or unable to face up to their shadows are easy prey for collectivist movements which have ready-made scapegoats in the form of political opponents, members of different ethnic groups or socioeconomic classes. Scapegoating at the level of collectives, or in other words, projecting our problems onto groups of people who differ from us, proves attractive for several reasons. It allows us to avoid the damage to our personal relationships which occurs when we use someone close to us as a scapegoat. Furthermore, given that our interactions with members of the scapegoated group are usually limited, we do not risk awakening to the realization that these people are not nearly like the distorted image of them we hold in our psyche. Scapegoating at a group level is made easier by the fact that those in the scapegoated group, being composed of individuals with their own weaknesses and flaws, may in fact behave in ways that provide legitimate reasons for indignation, or as Jung put it, not that these others are wholly without blame, for even the worst projection is at least hung on a hook, perhaps a very small one, but still a hook offered by the other person. But as Jung recognized, there is a tendency within collectivist movements to take this small hook offered by one's opponents and to hang on it virtually all that is wrong with oneself in the world. When we cast a group of people in this negative light, seeing them as the primary source of all that ails a society, it becomes possible to justify persecution, violence, and perhaps even extermination of the group in question. Projection at the level of collectives becomes even more dangerous as those in positions of power can divert attention away from their own activities and the harm they may be causing by using propaganda, false flags, and other manipulation techniques in order to cast blame onto ready-made scapegoats. Due to the terrible consequences that can emerge at both the level of the individual and of society when we fail to recognize, in the words of Alexander Solzhenitsyn, that the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being, it is of the utmost importance that we strive to recognize our shadow qualities and to integrate them into our conscious awareness. Only then will we be in an adequate position to evaluate the true sources of evil in this world. On the other hand, if we fail to recognize the subjective origin of our projections, 
Not only will our own well-being suffer, but we will contribute on a global scale to much unnecessary conflict. Jung went as far as to suggest that if psychological projection at a collective level became too widespread, war would be the likely outcome. For he believed that the greatest danger to civilization lay not in the weapons we have at our disposal, but in our inability to understand our own selves. For it is this ignorance, and the failure to face up to our own weaknesses and destructiveness, that causes what should be an internal battle to manifest itself in the external world. Modern people, wrote Jung, are ignorant of what they really are. We have simply forgotten what a human being really is, so we have men like Nietzsche and Freud and Adler who tell us what we are quite mercilessly. We have to discover our shadow, otherwise we are driven into a world war in order to see what beasts we are. Ooh. <laughs> beasts. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we are. That's right. I think so. I, I expressed it poorly enough, basically. You that, didn't. That 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 if, unless that's you your shadow talking. That's your yeah. shadow talking. You didn't. Well, well, unless unless you develop your self inquiry enough to the point where you can see that you're a selfish person, you're you have desires that are basically selfish, selfishly motivated. That you put the blame on others rather than take responsibility for things. And as as I said in the video, there that some people might provide that little hook, like they might treat you badly. Let's say the. The Jews in Germany, for example, Hitler basically put all of the nation's woes on the Jews and then the German people caught on to that and, and placed all the blame on them and then all of a sudden you have a Holocaust kind of thing rather yeah, than realising exactly. that, that it's down, that the, the line between good and evil runs down the middle of every human yeah. heart and that we're all capable of good and bad things and that any scapegoats that you put put your put the evil on them, I'm not bad, they're the bad ones, then you can just inflict serious atrocities on people and, and yeah. we need to face that side of ourselves this is the thing it's 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 right there it's simple the shadow is the one for example you shine a light on yourself the light is the opposite of the shadow it can create the shadow because when you're in the light sometimes you will lie to yourself but to truly be in the light you have to be so totally aware to know that you are partly a beast and that you do have these tendencies and that you're not some perfect being if whatever perfect is you know mm. you're not completely benevolent you try to be but if the more aware we are of where we are lacking and the mistakes that we make and our weaknesses then that's the greater uh, i suppose distributed power that we have in terms of <laughs> creating a better society because it's all about awareness, really. Mm. It's not about running away and trying to become better and, and good and totally good, because is that possible? I don't know if... if I mean, the, uh, it's the concepts of good and bad that cause a lot of problems. Well, this is the thing, yeah. So, mm. it, a lot of the things within our nature, or everything within every single individual's nature cannot be seen as good by everyone and there needs to be an awareness and an acceptance that or of that I should say that you are both the good and the bad mm. but it's about having the awareness so that you can discipline that and take the best out of a partly good mm. and partly bad situation or being and that's why it's great when you have people like Jordan Peterson out there who 
will spot things early and go, I know what you guys are doing. You're saying you're standing up for X, that you're, you're, you're standing up for the rights of these people, but really you just hate those people. And you don't, you don't really want to help anybody. You just want to take down these other people. Now, that's not always the case, but there are these people who have such a deep understanding of the human psyche that they'll point out that we're being hypocritical <coughs> and that we're causing, we're causing problems when we, when we want to believe the part of ourselves that we've identified with is I'm trying to create social change for the, for the positive, but really you're just bitter because you're poor and you're, you're uneducated or you you're, have different problems. Now, again, that's not always the case. There's obviously very good causes and, 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 and reasons to stand up to society, but you really do need to understand yourself a lot. Sean. Yes. You're daydreaming. Right? <laughs> no, you're you're deep introspecting. <laughs> tell us, tell us, tell us how we're wrong, please. <laughs> how you're wrong? Uh, no, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, it sounds very sensible. I think that's what when uh, people are meditating, that's what they're doing. They're mm. they're they're uh, trying to be aware of their thoughts, and often their thoughts are um, patterns of thoughts that keep repeating. Mm. Um, so it's about getting to know yourself. So that includes all the negative thought patterns as well as you know just the weird random thoughts um, so I guess there is like a there is a value judgment of good and bad still though you know because we're saying that we should or is there I don't know are we saying that the shadow is it's the bad part of ourself no we're labeling it bad it's no. the unacknowledged part of ourselves okay yeah. it's yeah it's the part that <clears throat> That maybe yeah, exactly like like Mark said, the unacknowledged part, the the part of ourselves that we a lot of us don't want to see, that we don't want to believe is part of us, mm. that we don't accept, that we we label as bad, that that's, we label yeah, as bad. So that's the that's the problem. Okay. Yeah, we label as bad maybe because we feel that society will not perceive it in a good way, mm. which in most cases is true because there are a lot of things that can. Like we've spoken about before, the dark passenger that can live in your head, your mind, right? Mm. And you're walking down the street and you think something terrible mm. by walking past someone sometimes. Mm. It doesn't mean you actually think that about that person because straight away, another part of you, the conscious part is going, wait, why did I even think that? That's mm. terrible. Mm. But it's like you can't control it sometimes. Mm. And we've spoken about, about this before, how we aren't in control sometimes. But this is all an inherent part of our nature mm. an inherent part of nature itself is both birth and death that in itself is just a, a show of how this reality is built mm. um, animals can be so beautiful so cute and then they can kill too mm. <laughs> they're beasts mm. this is it but we don't need to run away from that nature because it's the truth and I think the further we run away from what is true, the more we get lost in a delusional world. And that's why we have so many of these problems. Like, that's why we have, let's talk about Trump being president, right? Mm. There's a man that doesn't recognize his shadow. And there's a man that probably thinks he's amazing and he's great. And obviously we've spoken about this before, it's the ego. Mm. The ego is very much the lack of acknowledgement of the shadow. because. Mm you start to believe that you're this perfect being. Mm. But everyone has some sort of agenda. And, you know, sometimes agendas can be quite pure in terms of 
they really can improve society. Mm. But they can also be furthering your own ego, mm. extending it, hyperinflating it. But as long as you're aware of that and not saying, no, I'm not doing this for my ego. As long as you say, yes, I am doing this for a pure reason, but I also get a little bit of of joy, a little bit of, it tickles my ego a bit, mm. you know? At least you're being honest. Because mm. it's, like, it's like, oh, I, I really want to help people and I really want to, okay, do it for free then. Well, I need to live, I need to buy a exactly, house, right? car. Oh, well, how about you get minimum wage then? Oh, well, I want more than minimum yeah, wage. Okay, yeah. so you're not just, you don't just want to help people. You also want to have a little bit of status, a little bit of money, a little bit of power, a little bit of this, that and the other. So it's about not just going, God, I really want to help people with my creative work and inspire people. Well, yeah, you want you want all the money and fame too, though, don't you? You know, and and then once you acknowledge that and you go deep into that, then you can actually decide to either own up to that and say, OK, well, I want those things, too. Or else you go, actually, yeah, those things are motivating me more than I realized. Maybe I don't want to be motivated by those things as much. Maybe I should change the reasons why I'm doing things. Personally, I've here's my non-shadow side, perking up my ego side. Going up. Personally, I've realized recently that going down the clinical psychology route it gives you more social standing, esteem, money, uh, job opportunities, everything else. But um, I think I'm going to go down the counselling side of things um, and uh, get much less money, <laughs> much. Uh, the yeah the, the the actual connection was regular yeah, the people. actual work will be much more rewarding I think but the yeah. wages will be a lot lower but actually with the, through thinking about it a lot I mean that's if I'm coming home in the evenings thinking wow I actually am doing something valuable here I think I'll, I'll it's worth less money you know but even then mm. think about it. Mm. Even then, when money doesn't mm. is not involved, mm. you're still feeding some of sort of desire to of feel good. Of course, yeah. It's like I'm doing this. Yeah. To feel more altruistic about. Yeah, myself. it's like look, like I'm a, such a good person because yeah. I'm doing this. Mm. Again, we can't. You can't. You can't. can't get away that, with it. But, but to be honest, I think the reason why people do feel so shit about themselves a lot of the time is because the things that make you feel good about yourself generally are the things you should be doing. For example doing a little bit of exercise you might be doing that because you want to feel fit and strong and healthy and and have that little bit of ego boost but that ego boost and that feeling of being fit and strong and healthy is also a positive thing that gives you those positive feelings anyway exactly and so this is the thing it's Mm. like we live in a society that we have half people that are being overly selfish Mm. and then half the people that just keep trying to proclaim self selflessness Mm. even though there is a selfishness in them but they won't acknowledge it but really it has to be in tandem where you recognize that you have to be selfish to be selfless as well Mm. both sides Unless you're going to be like like someone like Sri Ramana Maharshi or something where you <laughs> you live naked with some a piece of cloth around you and you barely talk to anybody. And, I mean, yeah. the, he is a living saint. Well, not living. He, he, he was a saint, but basically he had no desire for any power whatsoever. So that meant money, anything. To be totally selfless, mm. you have to just not speak to anybody. Basically. <laughs> you have to just sit there yeah. and say nothing Yeah. and eat. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a life that many people choose to live. Yeah. But but then again, through his writings and things like that, then he inspires people to show them that this is the other side of of the 
the capitalist society or the, not even capitalist society, but the, the mass culture. He's but, basically But then him. by writing, he's still then doing some some form of what a peacock will do in showing his feathers. True. Yeah. Yeah. Again, he's trying to show that this is the way that's worked for him. And right. My way. My way. Yeah, well, you see, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if, it's, if, because I, I haven't, I haven't. I mean, this is the way. You, you see what I'm, see yeah, what I'm getting absolutely, at here. Absolutely, yeah. You, you have it. More and more. You have a very negative view of humanity. Not, no, not really. I don't think it's negative. I don't think it's negative. I think it's balanced. It's it a balanced is, view. It's, it's to see, it's to see that there is both negative and positive in everything. But why even say that it's negative? Uh, you know. Because it depends on how you perceive it. So it's not necessarily, it, maybe it's not even negative and positive at the same time. It just is. This is philosophy. But what eh? does the negative and, ph- and positive live within? Exactly. Awareness. Right. There's no awareness is <laughs> not neither negative or positive and it doesn't pass any judgments. Exactly. And it can't acknowledge it. So you have the, po- you have the pol- polarity of positive and negative, but both of those exist within awareness. And there's no opposite to awareness. You might say unawareness, but if, if you can experience your heart beating even without thinking there's awareness of your heart beating and that's not a positive thing it's not a negative thing it's literally just awareness when you're when you're asleep there's still awareness there's there's always awareness and so duality lives within awareness and that's the that that i don't know if you want to call it dimension dimension is always a word that kind of when i was younger anyway it was always a word that i was like right this person's talking bullshit but there's two there's different dimensions of living there's that polarity dimension that we all exist with in every word i say is basically splitting the world up into pieces and creating positive and negative ideas and hot is only a thing in comparison to cold yeah because he can't you can't say that is hot without something that compares to it which is cold but there's no opposite to awareness because hot and cold exist within awareness and so that's the extra level the level above that level where you're thought free where you're meditative and you're just in contact with the awareness and you, as you said you can't control your thoughts so your thoughts are running so the content of awareness is changing all the time but the awareness never changes that's why if you get a brain injury and you become a vegetable someone might say oh but now you've affected your brain and your consciousness is different no the content of consciousness is now different but the consciousness that's aware of things is always the same so the same if you're a, a pigeon or Albert Einstein, it's something that is aware. <laughs> what do you of mean by s- the same, though? As in, it's unchanging, never changes. It's been that way forever. It'll always be that way. It's this. It's witnessing, witnessing everything that's going on. What's what is what is hearing your thoughts right now, Christo? <laughs> again, I just I think it comes back to how you perceive it all. Again, mm. it's like it's just a loop. It's a constant loop. But you only you're perceiving through thoughts. Exactly. But if you stop doing that, everything just is. Then exactly. Yeah. I know what you mean by the, in that in that sense. And but then, it, and then the world is no longer how we perceive it through language. It is literally how it is. You, you lose the idea of time goes away. Um, anything that's not happening right now is irrelevant because it's not happening right now. So it's just an idea. Fear lives within thoughts. So you can't be afraid. Well, that's not true. Uh, I was <laughs> going to say you can't, you can't be irrationally afraid without thinking. So like if you're if there's a tiger chasing you, it doesn't matter what the fuck you're thinking, you're going to be scared. But if you're sitting in a room right now, and let's say there was no one else here, let's say all of us are here, and you just started worrying about exams, about death, 
about injury, about sickness. And you can get yourself quite scared, but all that is just inside your own head. So no words. Exactly, but that's what meditation so, is about. Yeah. It's about yeah. letting that, letting because you can't control the thoughts. It's about letting them run their course without adding to them by trying to co- have a conversation with them. So if something comes to your head, you know the way you're saying you're walking around, and you're like, "Fuck, I shouldn't have thought that." Well, now you're given that first thought a little bit of credence and now you're having a dialogue between yourself about what you should and shouldn't do but if you let that initial thought just pass by you create that space where there's there's a there's a little bit of a gap between the next thought you're not having the argument so what the theory is that the less you talk to yourself the more the gaps will increase and eventually your your mind will quieten by itself but what we all do is go jesus christ i can't believe i thought 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 that stop thinking I have to stop thinking shit I'm still thinking <laughs> but all you have to do is just ignore what came before that and, and let it go and then the gaps get bigger but that it's, it, it, is a, it is a discipline and there you go and there you come back to it the total acceptance of everything mm. and just not saying anything mm-hmm. but like so you're saying awareness aka being or whatever no? Well, same thing yeah, this is another word basically, for basically wh- whatever state you're in when you're not thinking that's you're, well, even then, even when you are thinking, there's something that is aware of your thinking and aware of what's happening. And do we know? Does it know how to act? No, like no, no. It doesn't. Doesn't do or it, think. It, it literally uh, is. That's the whole idea of free will. It's sitting there. You do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> but then there is there is the moral. There to maybe use you the wrong word. There, there's a sense of this is wrong and this is right. And does that not come from? Or this is what I should do or shouldn't do. Does that not come from awareness? Nope. No. Nope. Okay. Awareness doesn't passes then no comment, comment, and and anything that's any idea that we have of right or wrong or up or down or anything else is only existing within that awareness that's separate from it. But can you can you act without thinking? Like, of course you can act without thinking. You did it with your mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you believe in free will? But then that's. You're acting like thinking now. You're just moving that thing in your hand. Did you think about it? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. No, I'm playing with this. I wasn't thinking about it. Uh, sorry, I have a little wire in my hand. But do you think you do you have do you think you have free will? Depends on your definition of free will. So if you have free know. will as an ego through thoughts, no. Free will as the one consciousness of everything. Of course you do. Otherwise, nothing would exist. This is your creation. Here we are. So you're saying awareness has gives us free will or is free will? Oh God, we could go down. This is, <laughs> this is, this this is, is what I love about this because it's like you're challenging perception and I love that because you just end up going in it's like mirroring mirrors. The problem <laughs> is though is that you're, there's, when you're talking about awareness which doesn't have dualistic language to it, it doesn't have any language to it, it's literally just awareness and you, it's all you can say about it is that then when you try and talk about it, you're you're doing so with language which isn't awareness which means that you can't express what you're talking about exactly. which is why everybody always says you can't talk about it yeah we, exactly then, but, you can't explain but it but it's fun to point towards it so mm-hmm. for example for anybody let's I'll, I'll, we haven't done this um, and I've thought about doing it just, it's not fantastic for radio but I'll, I'll do it with <laughs> you now alright fuck it <laughs> fuck who cares fuck the who cares man? anyone out there just play along alright <laughs> who cares so sit up straight oh, sit yeah, up okay. straight okay go on okay <laughs> Alright, close your eyes. <laughs> close your eyes. Now put your finger. No. <laughs> okay, take a nice big breath in for me. And relax your, your all the uh, muscles in your chest as you breathe out. 
and one more. Now do your best to stop thinking for about 30 seconds while you breathe. slowly come back so that felt good so did you did, did you have some thoughts in your head yeah uh, probably they were vague but Very, yeah that's I'd good so. uh, your, 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 your hours of meditation is paying <laughs> off John but for most people out there there'll be a few thoughts going through their head and generally the perception of meditation is you're supposed to stop thinking but it's it's as we said before that, that when the thoughts do arrive you just again let them go it's, yes. it's, it's a push pull it's like because the th thoughts exist within that lower dimension of duality there's always going to be the positive the negative side of it so it's there's a push to it and there's a pull to it but whenever if you push too hard or pull too hard you're out of balance so for example a thought comes in that you don't want and so what do you do you try and push that away but you're not supposed to do that don't push and then or else you're in the dark you're in the quiet there's not, no thoughts there and you start feeling a little bit uncomfortable so then you start th then you start thinking. So then you're pulling a thought towards you, and so once you realise that you're doing that, that you sit there and you just let it play itself out without trying to interact with it. So a thought comes, let's say, oh, I'm still thinking. You're like okay, well then what you do what you do then is you don't re reply to that thought, and then you're not you're not pushing it away. It just goes <coughs> away by itself. Or else, if you're feeling uncomfortable in the silence, you don't go. Oh. I feel a little uncomfortable to think about <laughs> something because then you're pulling it towards you. So you literally just have to let everything flow. And it's very, very hard to do that because we're used to just thinking, 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 thinking. And it also shows you that you don't have any control. So any idea of free will, well, you didn't choose to think, did you? When you're, when you're there, you're, you're trying to actively not think and you can't because you don't have any controls whatsoever. So the part of us that we think we are, our identity, the very fucking how we live our whole lives is through our mental processes and we actually can't even fucking control the thing <laughs> we can't control it because we are not that we're not the thoughts the part so how can we control something when we think we are that thing it's like i don't know i think there was a very good um analogy of that adyashanti said there the, a few days ago so imagine you have a clenched fist right and you want to annihilate that fist that fist is your ego you don't want to have this ego anymore but you think you are this this fist you are the ego and um, this is um, absolutely masquerade this as well but i'm doing my best so it's like you want to annihilate the fist but you can't annihilate the fist because you are the fist so then you just release it and now the fist is gone but the hand is still there thoughts are still going to be there but it's very different very different now the fist is gone the thought the idea that you were the fist is gone the thoughts are still there the hand is still there but now you've got a very different perspective so when you're trying to get rid of your ego you're trying to get rid of something that you think you are but you're not that in the first place you're something beyond that you're that next level up that awareness that that the consciousness behind it and then once you identify with that over time then you can actually control your thoughts but you can't control your thoughts when you think you are your thoughts anyway that's enough from me you said uh control your thoughts yeah actually <clears throat> what do you mean like well, I guess 
when we're when I, when I, when I get up out of bed in the morning, I think, okay, I'm going to go and do this. I'm going to go. Let's say I'm going to go wash my teeth, for example. Right? I get out of bed. And I, I'm going to go wash my teeth, and then I walk out to watch wash my teeth. But what's actually happening, if you are present enough, is that you're hijacking what's actually going on anyway. So you so you actually got up and went to wa- wash your teeth, but that uh, but you didn't choose the thought in your head to say I'm going to go wash my teeth. That just came into your head because you're not in control of that thought. But because we don't ident- because we don't look at our thoughts deeply enough, we think, well, I thought. Well, who thought? The thought thought? Who's I? Who's you? Yeah, who's I? Is the I the thought? No, the thought so was, I'm, I'm going to go wash my teeth. So then who decided to brush their teeth then? Exactly, the whole being. Okay. The whole thing. You, you wouldn't say awareness decided, would you? No, because it's the content of it's it's within awareness. But you, if again, this is again separating. So you can separate awareness from everything else. But again, the, that's why you can't talk about it. Because if you label it as awareness, then it's the thing that's not awareness. So here's where it gets even more complicated. Aware, this awareness combined with everything. Yeah, <laughs> if we just if we just say that like awareness is like the like a picture. You, you have the canvas. So awareness mm. is the canvas, and everything else is just on top of that. Exactly. Sort very very well said exactly but you can't separate the canvas from what's happening because it let, let's imagine it's a cinema screen right but there's always a movie playing but you can get rid of all the paint occasionally oh, get rid uh, of all the thought bite, and bite. just have it just be the canvas exactly B- but if you're just the canvas and and you're getting up to brush your teeth um mm. so there's there's it's very hard to do it because we we think all the time <laughs> but imagine or maybe try to try tonight sit on the edge of your bed and decide you're not going to move until you move without thinking so you're going to sit there and you're going to be like you're not going to say before you lie down in bed oh i think i'll lie down now in your head or you're not going to say i'm going to stand up before you stand up and you just sit there and you wait and then you'll find that eventually you will do something before without thinking Anything could be scratching your ear, but you didn't think about it. And then you will see that a lot of people will now then say, oh, you've got your subconscious mind and your conscious mind. But that's not what's going on, is that the conscious mind that's that creating that dialogue isn't necessary at all. But it's comforting to us because the more we think that we're our thoughts, the more we can have our small little world and our protected viewpoint and my, your, your, your story and time, my past, what will happen in the future but the more we stay in the in the in the moment without thought the less secure we are the less we can predict the future the more uncomfortable we feel in the unknown and that's why we continue to jump to the next thought as quickly as we can because it's it's much more comforting to feel like we have control when we when really we don't yeah and then that's why i think people feel so uncomfortable when they do psychedelics because they end up entering the subconscious imagination and then they feel like they have less control because they're not in, under the illusion of the this conscious illusion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why I was kind of putting this, and I've loved this. This is brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> that dance. You have to get used to the yeah. dance of it when you're on psychedelics. So you can't control your thoughts. There's thoughts coming in. You can't control almost anything that's happening whatsoever, and you got to chill. You got to chill out. But you don't you only exist as thought so you can't chill out and you don't have control so you literally have to be just unbelievably brave and continue to put yourself in that position but are you even putting yourself in that <laughs> yeah, position yeah, yeah. who's in control <laughs> so 
really this is why people talk about grace and why you have to have grace and grace is the idea that just I mean luck is luck is a less nice word but you've been lucky enough to experience something and that you didn't choose it but it also makes you the most humble person in the world too because you can't say I did this or I'm enlightened that's why someone like Ajashanti or any spiritual teacher will not be like I am amazing because they realize that they're no they're not responsible whatsoever and a lot of artists will say I'm not this just flowed out of me this this song wrote itself this book wrote itself because for them to be to, to be humbled by their by what is flowing through them it would be if they were to take ownership of that as an ego well then they're done <laughs> mm-hmm. am I making any sense yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. no I'm, um, no just when you were talking about um, the um, the ego wanting to say I'm enlightened mm. that sort of thing mm. it's very uh, it's very easy for that to oh it wants to, to hijack without, all the yeah, time without realising it's very easy to know though if you're speaking at all it's ego <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you think you're enlightened don't, just don't speak huh? <laughs> just don't speak well that's it I mean you can use your ego in a in a way to point towards non-egoic stuff but it's not the same thing because the one one thing is to not be thinking and to allow a non-dualistic viewpoint which is I mean any any word creates how can I say this I think let's say let's think of a sock right because of the way language is we, when we think of a sock, it's very obvious to us what a sock is, but what we don't think about is everything that's not a sock, because it would be an extremely efficient way to, to, to think and talk, talk. If by me saying talk, sock, I couldn't, I'd have to list, okay, a sock is not a chair, it's not an airplane, it's not my mother, and so on and so on and so on. So by any, anything we label, <coughs> we're leaving out everything that it is not. And again this is why it's important to realize that there is two levels of reality to live on one level we label things and they become what we believe them to be and that's the universe is why why if you listen to the the Kabbalion it says the universe is mental it's all a mental construct but um, I'm, I'm kind of this is so hard to explain that I'm losing track of myself already but anything that you label you're separating the world so you're breaking it into bits and it's very easy if you've just got black and white on a, on a blackboard Okay, you've got black and you've got white. You've already broken it in two. You've labelled one as black, but in order to have any black, there's got to be white. Because if it was all black, then you wouldn't have a word for it because there's no difference. If it was all white, you wouldn't have a word for it because there's no difference. But in the world, what we do is we single out certain pieces and we separate it and we go, that's a sock and everything else isn't a sock. So we split the world up and that's what language does. It only works that way. It's impossible to have a sentence where you are not separating things. Subject, object as well. It's like, I am... Or it is raining. Well, what what's raining? The rain is raining. Um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, the, the sky think. is pouring rain. The yeah, like there's there's so many different things you can say like that, like where. But this isn't a bad thing to use language to you know label things no. to, to no, make life easier we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have the ability to speak to each other or communicate through abstract thought but the problem is is that you forget that the abstract thought isn't the experience and that's what happens over time and millennia of using language all the time so you can talk about swimming till the cows come home but if someone has never swam they'll just have an idea of swimming which isn't actually swimming 
Uh, and it's the same with the world everywhere is that your idea of the world is not the world but because you have those perspectives it's almost like you have rose tinted glasses on so imagine if you're looking at the whole world with rose tinted glasses all the time everything is slightly rose coloured you wouldn't even know that the world isn't slightly rose coloured you'd be like yeah this is how the fucking world is it's not until you take those glasses off that you realise the world is slightly different to how you perceive it to be but we constantly perceive the world through our thoughts we label everything and we break everything to bits and we see the world that way through our thoughts and until you blast your fucking brains out with some magic mushrooms and <laughs> cannabis and some other things now you can do it through years of meditation of course and that's the safe proper intelligent way to do it but uh, <laughs> if you're a little bit lazy and if you Actually, Why is it the intelligent way? <laughs> yeah, I, I, knew, I knew Krista would disagree with me here. I guess it's the intelligent way because it is the way where there's as little amount of confusion and as slow, pro, pro, slow process as possible. Intelligent or patient? Way? Patient, I would say. Yeah, well, well said. Or slow. 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 <laughs> intelligence is not patience. True. It's not patience. True. Sorry, yeah, I, I was just yeah. a bit brash there. But anyway, yeah. um, if you, if because when you get into that experience, like, it is. In undescribable and it's not the mystical experience part of it it's not that part where you're like having all these visions and you're you're seeing the the tr- trees moving it's not that Hollywood kind of the world warping around you it's when you get past that and you're sitting there the world looks normal and there's not a fucking word going on in your head and you see everything like you've never seen it before and it's the same as it always is, except you are not there witnessing it. You are part of it. You are in it. It is in you. It's all the one thing. And there's no separation going on. And that is an incredible experience. And For you sure. never look at the world the same way again. Because you realize that all the time you're thinking, you're just actually blocking stuff all the time. You're blocking, 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 blocking. And you can't even stop blocking unless you really, really go deep into changing your whole way of being, which is... of scary and it means living in the moment all the time but when you live in the moment it means that you are constantly waiting to do something without thinking so the past that's why people say when they become enlightened their whole life changes like oh i was an investment banker and now i'm a yoga instructor because (laughs) (laughs) because when they were an investment banker they were constantly thinking they're like okay tomorrow i've got to do x y and z in order to be successful i've got to do x y and z and then all of a sudden they're like not thinking let's say and let's say they've gone deep into it. Let's say they've just blasted through the other side. Then they're sitting there waiting to see what happens at every moment. And they're, the thoughts that come into the head, then they take them as directions. They're not, think, they're not taking them as, I have decided to go and wash my teeth. It's, that's, it's, it's more of a... It's all happening, it's man. A, it's a realization it's that, that I didn't choose this thought to wash my teeth. So... <laughs> It's like the hippie movement. It's all exactly. happening. It's all and happening. It, and, and even then, it's it's and it's so complicated. As you said, it's like a dance too. Because if the thought comes in and says murder yeah. that fool, <laughs> yeah. you have to be like, well, hang on here. What? Which? Who's speaking? Is it society? Is it me? Is it what's what's going on here? And that's why it's like a dance. It's very hard to know what to do. You got to let go of the thoughts and kind of act from an instinct more often. But then, <laughs> but then, if you act from instinct all the time, mm. you might do some terrible things. Yeah, in maybe. Some, in, in, but that's the in society's that's eyes. the trust and faith type of thing, isn't it? Mm. Where you like you kind of go, mm, let's see what happens here. Oh God. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and this w- this is sort of what I was trying to get at earlier. Um, like when you're acting from. I'm going to say awareness. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm. If you're acting from awareness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, it it has like you you will only do you will you will do certain things um, that are in your eyes or in awareness's eyes like the right thing to do in that situation, yeah, but not in society's eyes. 
Or could be. In some Most likely would not. Be. Probably would be. You should have seen me in the gym the other night. <laughs> <laughs> I, was this... I, you were telling me... Telling well, us about... You know, I, was telling you, I was telling you, yeah, I was telling you guys that when I smoke cannabis, it gets kind of weird, from, like a very strange. It's not the it's not the purported story that most people have. And I actually listened to a, an hour an hour and a half's talk on um, YouTube there today. It's called Cannabis and Spirituality, and set and setting partly has a big thing to do with. But I went to the gym and I smoke weed, and then I just you never see that bloody Edo Portal lad. He does all that movement. Training. oh yeah, yeah he's yeah. amazing yeah. yeah so it's basically like i'm just going to allow my body to do what it wants to do and i do all sorts of weird movements and stretching and and weights and stuff and to anybody looking at gym i caught several times people like laughing at me <laughs> because it, it is weird man it's like what i'm doing it like at one point i went over to the lap pull down machine right and i was like I didn't sit down. I put my knee against the footrest and I went into like a lunge with my knee against the footrest and then I leaned underneath it and I pulled it down to the middle of my back and held it there and I was up and down with it, which is like the stupidest movement. You're the guy. You're the guy in the, the, video, the, videos. the videos. Exactly. <laughs> you know the videos. The guy from the did, you ever, did you ever see those videos, Sean? So. There's these videos that go around social media of like some weirdo <laughs> in the gym and he's just doing this weird move and then everybody that's actually sticking to the rigid structure or what's expected that you're supposed to do in the gym is like, what's that guy doing? He has no idea what yeah, he's doing. like <laughs> some guy sitting upside down on the fucking thing, like doing it wrong. But basically, I was my body was saying like, this is what you need to do. And I was going with it, regardless of people looking at me going, you're weird. Like all the time, Sharon is constantly saying to me, hi, Sharon. Um, she's like, like, you're, what would she, she'd say like, people are going to think you're a fucking <laughs> psychopath weirdo. And I, and I always say, I don't care. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I guess I, I can't do it as all the time, but, but especially if I smoke a bit of weed, then it's literally the, 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 that, person that that there's a willpower of my own or the ego or the ideas in my head or the thoughts and then there's a willpower of something else and you can kind of let that something else take over uh, i just don't kundalini why would why would you why would it tell you to to, to do something strange with weights it's trying to fix my injuries and heal me oh okay yeah. and did it did it help it's what it feels help. right oh, to okay him. well fair enough it's then. what feels <laughs> right to him mm. he's feeling exactly rather than thinking yes Right, five minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no. That's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> you weirdo. <laughs> I really enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. Um, it, went qu- uh, it went very quickly, actually. Mm. <coughs> I was going to say, yeah. Um, we, should, we should get together sometime and... Uh, can I say this in the radio? You can say anything dis- you want. We should get together sometime for disclaimer. An and do some illegal activities and record something while we're doing that. Um, when I say illegal activities, that sounds even worse. <laughs> My God. Look, we, like, should, we, should, we should take some substances that grow out of the ground naturally. <laughs> potatoes. <laughs> yes, exactly. For anyone that's listening internationally, <laughs> that's all we do here in Ireland. <laughs> Diddly D, potato. And, uh, <laughs> and then... And then... Uh, and then maybe talk about it while while we're we're doing this psychedelic potatoes exactly that's a great name for some sort of page mm. <laughs> instead of terrifying but you, th- yeah. there you go psychedelic potatoes so let's let's, let's, let's <laughs> do a, di- a, a different type of disclaimer than usual i'll say that there is a i think sean actually expressed this very well in a text he sent me once um he said that there's um 
high likelihood of confusion on if you take magic mushrooms and that is very very true it takes several trips to actually feel your way into what's going on because it's so alien to to what you're used to that it, it, it you have to feel your way into it and at first you're going to try and think your way through it and that's when you will get serious paranoia freak outs problems what the typical label of a bad trip because you just you haven't felt your way through this yet we have to make sure and also remind people that you know when we talk about these things we not we're not saying that everyone should do them by any means because there are some people that it would just it will never work for mm-hmm. it will never be the right way mm-hmm. and so you're always better off meditating mm-hmm. but the thing is Sometimes meditation won't even work for so many people. Like, th- there's always going to be a percentage, a section that cer- something either works for or doesn't work for. Yeah, your path is your path. Yeah, there's no there's no be. one right way, mm. essentially. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Um, and substan- these substances aren't, um, I don't know, I think it's physical, physically, they don't create a physical dependence. So what that means is you can't get addicted to. But here's the. But, but here's you can get thing. addicted to anything. That's it. And yeah. But you can get. But what I'm. But it's important yeah. to, to categorize that is it's not like something like alcohol, for example. You can actually become yes, physically. That's evidentially proven. To it. That yeah. Whereas with magic mushrooms and cannabis, you it's only, mentally you, you only get um, habitually. Yeah, you can become it because you, you enjoy the feeling of of it, and, mm-hmm. and you don't enjoy the feeling of of not having it. Yeah, maybe you're anxious in your everyday life, and in order to relieve your anxiety, you start overly indulging in anything, anything, and then that's an addiction. That's an addiction, and that's that's the risk with doing anything in this life, including magic mushrooms, including even exercise. Cannabis, even I was addicted to exercise. Yeah, people can exercise to the point where they break all their bloody yeah. bones and they get Tore fractures, and yeah, so. If if you are concerned about an, having an addictive personality, I would not necessarily recommend that you uh, take magic mushrooms on, and cannabis unless you're willing to use it responsibly, which would be once every two weeks minimum. Sorry, not mi- when I say minimum, you shouldn't do it more often than once every two weeks. That's just but we, but just we don't advocate. That people no, use people illegal need to substances. no people need Sorry? to. We don't advocate that people use illegal substances. We just talk about our own experiences. We we advocate the freedom <coughs> for people to do what they wish, but we don't advise that people use anything without the right responsibility, research, and moderation. Especially if you're under eighteen. Especially mm-hmm. when your brain is still developing. You know, your frontal cortex is still developing until around, around 25. Oh yeah, something like that. You yeah. know? Wow. And so if you use anything before then, you're in the risk of not letting that part of your brain develop, which is the area of the brain that is responsible for you doing the harder thing when it's the right thing to do. It's it's what is organized and plans ahead. And, you know, and a lot of people that affect that part of their development end up just being impulsive their whole life and then they have problems with addictions because they started drugs young. All right, guys, sign it off. Lovely chatting to you. Um, looking forward to a nice evening. I think all the people in the other room in there. Hey, guys, uh, how look, you doing? Looking over at there? us, wondering what the hell we're talking about. So I'm just going to stick on the song, guys. Have a lovely, what day of the week is it? Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Have, a, have Tuesday. a lovely rest of the week. <laughs> <laughs> have a lovely day. Say goodbye, Sean. Bye. Say bye, Crystal. Goodbye. Goodbye for me. Om Namah Shivaya Gurave. 
Sachidananda Murtaye Nishprapanchaya